for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And today I've got the owner of Rec Broadheads, Matt Taggin, on to talk about his North Dakota slob of a deer that he just killed a couple weeks ago. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is episode 130. And today, like I said earlier, we've got Matt Tagadon from Rec Broadheads to talk about his absolute giant of a whitetail from North Dakota a couple weeks ago. He went out there. He's been going out there for five years now, and uh, he finally connected on his biggest deer to date. So really cool story. We also get into Rec Broadheads a little bit. Um, I did actually record with Matt back in February when Rec went live when he launched Rec. So maybe go back and look at that as well. Um, good interview with him there. A uh, little update on my stuff going on right now. It's, you know, we're two days away, two days away from the opener here in Michigan. Cannot wait, can't wait to get in a bow stand. And uh, Justin, I did just get a text from Justin not too long ago. He is back home and well. He's actually not on this episode, but he will be on the episodes coming up soon. So I appreciate all the support. I'm going to get over this interview with Matt, and uh, hopefully you guys have a good rest of your week. Get out there and hunt. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys are successful. So thank you guys, and here's this interview with Matt. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. Today, I've got Matt tagging on today from Rec Broadheads. Matt, welcome back to the podcast, and I can't wait to pick your brain about this recent North Dakota trip that you killed. I think it's your best buck ever, wasn't it? It is my best buck ever, and I uh, I appreciate you having me on and look forward to telling the story. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, you and I have been bullshitting a little bit here and there on or off record, basically, just texting back and forth, and I've been hounding you about getting some practice heads up here so I can shoot these these wrecks, man, this year. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I want to lead off with this first. I mean, and I've told you before, I've been a rage guy, you know, for the last 11, 12 years. Rage yep. has been the broad, and I still, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I really like the rage broadheads. It's always treated me really well, but I'll tell you what, these wrecks that you have and i'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast with me and and i think i can call you a friend now but uh (laughs) dude these things so far as far as accuracy test and i mean like second to none like these things i've been shooting them 55 yards is the farthest i've shot them so far and i mean field point accuracy i really i really dig them 
And that was uh, that was one of the biggest things we wanted to go for too was just accuracy on those. Um, during during the whole testing and design phase, we uh, we were shooting out of those. Uh, I think it's the Raven R29, uh, that real fast crossbow shoots like 450 feet per second. We were launching these suckers 100 yards, you know, and uh, just just driving tacks with them. And, and that's when I knew they were going to pass that test for sure. But uh, we've this will be uh, personally my third season shooting this broadhead. Um, they've only been on the market since February here, so this will be uh, most people's first year using them. But we've been having just uh, some extremely good results with them, and it's honestly a little humbling to see uh, see it all come together and, and see how well they're working. Yeah, well, everything that I've been seeing from social media and forums and stuff like that, I'm part of a couple forums that I that I watch closely. Rex, the Rec Broadhead is is kind of is taking a pretty good like toll like people i don't mean that in a bad way like people are digging it they really enjoy it and you see a lot of you know social media in, in general i see a lot of people you know kill photos and everything with this broadhead up the expandable i haven't seen a lot with the the fixed blade um but majority of the expandable people are loving them it seems like yeah it really seems that way i mean we're uh, we're getting pictures almost uh, daily now that we're rolling in the season here you know seasons are starting to open up uh, all across the country and uh it's uh, it's just really cool to see. I mean, every time somebody sends me a picture, it kind of, kind of makes me smile just to to see them really working <laughs> so well and stuff. It, yeah. it really does. But uh, no, we're having really good luck with them, and you know, uh, this is our our first uh, product we've ever launched, and you know, this is a brand new um, brand that we've we've built here, and we're just uh, kind of learning as we go um, on how how to build a brand and how to build a, a business and stuff. But we're uh, we're picking away at it, and we're having fun with it, and. Uh, and just seeing where it goes here we're uh, gonna keep innovating and we got some some other products we want to come up with and uh just just chipping away at it through through the COVID days here things have been kind of yep. tough this year but uh we're gonna be at ata this year and we're looking to get these things in stores and, and keep moving forward nice man well hopefully i'll be able to knock one down this upcoming week we got uh michigan's opener coming up and i'm super pumped about it the, the weather you and i are just talking about it the weather is just shaping up nicely i mean we had a little bit of rain come through, but I mean, dropping temps, pressures rising, cold front. I mean, you do kind of got to think though. It is October first, you know. Don't get too excited, but yeah. it's hard not to get too excited when 2020 can suck a big fat one because <laughs> it's been a a pain in the ass year, man. So I'm just ready to get the hell out of the house, get my bow in the hand, and go after some whitetails. I hear you, and it's uh, it's surely looking to be one of the best opening days or the best opening weeks I've seen weather-wise in quite a while. So uh, looking forward to that, and I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of nice deer killed here over the next week. I hope so, man. I really do. Well, before we do get into this story, because I really want to talk about this, there is one thing I want to ask you about the broadhead, and I don't know if you've ever been asked this. Maybe you have. Hell, maybe I've even asked you, and I can't remember, but... What is your favorite thing about the Rec Broadhead, the mechanical? If you had to pick one thing, what's your favorite thing about it? Ooh, I only get to pick one thing. One thing, that's it. Okay. <laughs> I guess I would probably have to say um, it's it's one thing in general, but overall just the beefy design of it for a mechanical. We have thicker blades than uh, just about any mechanical out there at 39,000 thick. There's a few of them that are that thick, but, I mean, that's uh, kind of the industry-leading thickness for blades. Um it's got that big beefy tip on it, and the, the whole ferrule's beefed up, and it's just really a, a, a well-built, put-together broadhead that's designed just to hold up, you know, to bone and in hard shots. Okay. 
I, I do like, uh, I mean, a lot of people like just the tip, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I like, I do like the beefy tip on that as well because it just looks like it's a bone crusher. Honestly, it looks like it'll go mm-hmm. through a lot of stuff. And like I said, I, I just can't wait to put it through the test. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wreck them this year. I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, <laughs> seeing the pictures coming through the, the first time you wreck one. I hope so, man. <laughs> well, good deal. Let's get into this. So, you and your dad just did a trip, uh, was it early September? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, opening day was September 4th, it was actually, uh, my cousin and I. Oh, uh, my okay. Dad's, yeah, this was my, my fifth year going out there, uh, my dad has been on some previous trips out there with me and stuff, but okay. this year I took my cousin, it was his first time, and, and opening day, I believe, was the 4th, um, we got there two days early before season to do our scouting and stuff like that, but, yep. Okay, so you went out to North Dakota, and what was like what what was the plan? Now, were you guys on public land, private land? Do you own land out there, or was it like a buddy, or how did that shape out? It's uh, it's all private land that we hunt, and it's actually a, a really big farm. Um, I honestly don't even know how many acres. It's it's in the thousands. Uh, a guy that we had met out there our very first year, we went out there hunting five years ago didn't have a clue what we were doing just went out and started knocking on doors um met a farmer and uh actually got denied initially that we could not hunt you know he, he deer hunts he's crazy about his whitetails he loves deer so i was managing deer and stuff like that and uh told me no i could not hunt well i think he ended up feeling bad for us and ended up calling me back that evening and told me that it would be okay if, if we could go and hunt his land and for the past five years, uh, we've really kept in contact. I mean, we're always texting back and forth, and, and we've been hunting that same farm and had some really good success off from it. All right, so you go out there, knock on doors. You get a no, and this guy feels bad for you, so he says yes. That's what you're telling me? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think that's – I think that's at least that's my take on it. I mean, we drove, you know, it's like 1,200 miles, I think, out there. And I, I yep. just figure he, he was pretty much just feeling bad for us. Like, these guys drove all the way from Michigan, and they have nowhere to hunt. So, you know. Was your plan to go out there and just knock on doors? Or, I mean, were you hunting public land and was just like, we're here, let's knock on doors? Yeah, I mean, originally um, – so th- there's like a house out there that some uh, a, a guy here in our, our hometown owns. And he rents it out for duck season and uh they go duck hunting every year and he was always telling me about all these big bucks he sees out there and stuff and and they hunt a lot of the uh, i think they're called waterfall management areas or something like that and we were planning on hunting some of those areas and he kind of tipped us to, to some good spots to check out where he had seen deer in the past and uh you know they just weren't really looking that hot when we got there so we we uh, just started pounding and knocking on some doors and, and calling some people and stuff like that off of onyx and uh and got lucky. I mean, we, we literally hit the jackpot on this farm. Like the, you know, the, the landowner is super friendly. He, uh, he, he really likes us for some reason. I've, I've been told by some of the locals, like he will not let anybody even squirrel hunt on his land really? but for some reason. Yeah. We got lucky enough. And, uh, for five years, I mean, we've, we've kept in contact and, and killed some really nice deer off this place. Man, that's really cool. So I guess break it down. You said it's a lot of acres. Don't really know the total, but like, is it, you know, I've been to the Dakotas, it's been a while, but a lot of it that I've been to has been, I shouldn't say flat, but not a lot of trees where I've been. Um, is that kind of what it is? Like draws, river bottoms, stuff like that? Or like what, what's the terrain layout like? It's really, really wide open. I mean, there's, um, we're, we're in the Eastern part of the state. There is uh, very few trees. I mean, there's no really uh, blocks of timber, I guess. It's, it's more just 
you know, tree lines or abandoned homesteads that kind of have trees grown up. And, and I've actually killed deer right out of, uh, you know, right next to somebody's old house, I guess, before, you know, that grows up in there and stuff and the deer like laying in the, in that stuff. But, um, it's just all ag fields and, and wide open landscape and, uh, kind of some rolling Hills. Um, not really any Creek bottoms or anything like that, but, uh, there's a lot of, um, they call them sloughs out there, ponds, I guess. There's If you get on Google Earth and you look at an aerial image of North Dakota, and it's probably why it's so popular for duck hunting, is there's just ponds, pothole ponds everywhere. And most of those ponds are surrounded by cattails, which is actually one of the major bedding sources for, for these whitetails out there. Okay, so they're bedding up on these sloughs. And what is the best way you know, to get on these bucks in the early season like this, is it, you know, your prototypical bed to food, like find out, you know, glass them for a di- from a distance, figure out where they're bedding, figure out where they're feeding, and then just kind of intercept them? Is that what, was that your game plan or, you know, was it a little more complex than that? That was kind of our game plan for this year um, was to get there a few days before season and just uh, get up, you know, way up on a hill away or something and, uh, and just glass fields and see, you know, where what sloughs they're laying in and uh where exactly they're feeding and it it was really weird this year because they had a a really wet spring and a a ton of snow early on last fall to where a lot of their crops were never harvested throughout the winter and even into the spring they were still harvesting corn and then they got pounded with the rain so uh, a lot of these ag fields never got planted and they were just you know just flat out dirt so i kind of i thought was going to push deer more into certain areas that you know were were planted and it really didn't do that like I thought it was going to. So um, our plan was basically just to get there and just glass and, and see and try to get some kind of a pattern on these deer. And we never really were able to get on a pattern the first first two days we were there before season. It's just like I, I still have yet to figure out what these deer do out there. It's like there's, there's no rhyme or reason to what they do. You would think, you know, like in the Midwest, you know, like uh, Missouri and Iowa and stuff like that, you know, you can get on a buck that's hitting a bean field every night. He's bedding bedding up on this ridge and he's coming in the bean field almost every night down the same runway and it's just I have not had that kind of luck out there you know it's funny you say that because I've said it on here before you know our Kansas lease that we have it's the same thing they're the deer out there are so nomadic I mean everything that you think you know when it comes to whitetails when you go out to our lease in Kansas literally throw that shit right out the window because it is like you know, to me, I always equate it to they're like caribou. Caribou don't know where they're going until they get there. It's like literally just wander, wander around. And you look out and it's like, what the heck is that deer doing out there at this time yeah. of the day in the middle of a, a CRP field that's only, you know, shin high? You know what I mean? There's like no cover out there and you're just hanging out. And it's like, what are you doing out there? And it just makes you scratch your head. I, I totally get that. Um, So when it comes to where you guys are at eastern north dakota and you said it's really open what kind of native vegetations out there you know like here in michigan we got a lot of acorns you know there's apple trees you know in mm-hmm. areas there's a lot of apple trees but you know what's out there that uh that they're eating on that you can like maybe hone in on you know since those ag fields a lot of them didn't get planted Typically, it's it's a uh, a soybean and corn rotation, and in probably ninety percent of the fields we hunt, I know they do plan uh, some some different crops and stuff that that we're not really accustomed to here. But um, I think like barley's a big one up there. But 
it, it's usually corn and soybeans on rotation, but it seems like for some reason the corn always holds the bigger deer. I, I think it's a mix of the food and the cover, you know, that's kind of goes along with like the, the cattail sloughs, you know, any kind yeah. of uh, tall cover like that is, is there, I guess, timber really. Cause you know, they have such a, a lack of trees out there, but okay. that's kind of what we hone in on there is, is just the corn and the, the soybean fields. I mean, there are some overgrown like cattle pastures and, and like I mentioned the homesteads and stuff where, the, where they're bedding in. But uh, this year was really weird. Cause you know, as I mentioned, a lot of these fields were just bare dirt. You know, the farmers had worked the weeds under and uh, just to, to keep weed control and, you know, to get ready to plant for next year. Yep. And these deer were literally out wandering, browsing around in these wide open dirt fields more than they actually were in the ag, which was really weird. Like I, I saw more deer in just wide open dirt fields than I did in soybeans all week. Huh. Do you know why that was or, you know, what the hell they were even eating out there? No, I, I was trying to figure that out the whole time. It was so weird. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, walking through these fields looking like the, the one field, there was not even anything like there's no green little weeds grown or anything. It was just literally just like dirt, like a beach, you know? Okay. Um, there was, there was some other dirt fields that kind of had some weeds up in them and stuff. You, I was assuming they were probably eating some of that stuff, but it was really weird. Okay. Now this might be a dumb question and I don't know. And if you do know, maybe you don't know, but is there like white oak and red oak trees out there too? Is there a lot of acorn crop out there? Not where we are. I'm sure there, there's parts of uh, the state that get that, but uh, where we're at, I mean, it's, I don't even know the type of trees that they're like willow trees or what, but they're just really nasty um, trees. And it's actually really, uh, really hard to get a tree stand. in. I think the, the stand that I shot this deer out of, I was only seven or eight foot up just because they're so uh, um, scraggly and, and just, I don't even know what they are. Okay. Now in North Dakota, if I remember right, it's a bait state, right? You can bait? Yes. On private land. On private land. You cannot on public. I believe that's how that goes. Yeah. Okay. And now, is there any rules, stipulations on how much you can put out or, you know, anything like that? Nope. Nope. It's a, it's a free for all. And, uh, we, we tend to take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, any way you can tip the scale in your direction, right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. So you're going out there, you get out there two days early. What did you see in those two days of scouting? You said you didn't really get a pattern on anything, but did you see any shooters? Did you get any intel on anything that made you think like i need to go here and hone in on this the first night i set up i uh, just sat in a tree row on a, a slough that i thought oh, i'm surrounded by soybeans and i mean it was probably I, I would guess a 200 acre bean field and there was one slough right smack dab in the middle of it between two tree rows and i just figured uh that that was one that the deer would be bedding in and i i sat there all night uh, with my spotting scope and just kind of watched from a distance and there was a couple, a uh, couple does come out, and there was like a probably a mid 140s eight point come out, and then actually ended up walking up the same tree row I was in. So I snuck out of there before he was able to to get to me and, and blow out. But I really didn't see um, a ton of deer those first couple of days. Not really what I was anticipating. I seen some smaller bucks, but not really uh, not what I was looking for. And, and from there, I was just kind of relying on trail cameras. Okay, so you did deploy some cameras then. Yep, that was kind of kind of the first um, tactic, you know. Right when we first got there, it was uh, just get some corn piles out and get cameras. I think we put probably uh, six or seven cameras out that first day and just kind of let them soak. And uh, a few of them were cell cameras as well, so we uh, that was nice to be able to monitor them and not have to go in there and check them, you know. I got gotcha. you. Yep. So, got some cell cams out on some corn piles. Now, what going back to you said you saw mid 140s eight pointer i mean that's a big eight pointer um 
what was your did you have any goals did you have any thing that you wanted to go out there and achieve like as far as a size of a deer age of a deer anything like that or was it just like you know anything that tickles my fancy i'm just i'm gonna let her eat like what was your plan there I was kind of dead set on going after a, a really good one this year. I had been out there, like I mentioned, uh, five years or, well, this was my fifth year and I've killed some pretty nice bucks out there. Um, I think my best was, a, a 141, um, actually my first year there. And then, uh, I was there last January and I actually, uh, I, I seen a ton of deer. I ended up killing a 138 inch 10 point. I think he was, but I was, uh, having encounters with this, this really large 10 point with split double split brows. And I mean, he was like persistent every night I was seeing him and, uh, I really like, I knew that buck lived. I knew the farmer, um, had found both shed antlers off that deer. And like, I just had in my head, like, that is the deer I'm going after. I'm going there trying to find him and just ran cameras all over the farm, hoping to come up, um, with the pictures of that deer and, uh, never did see him, but that's kind of the deer I was going for. I wanted to go there and I wanted to get a big one this year. Okay. So you had some preconceived, like ideas that this is the deer you're driving out there you know however 16 18 hours whatever it is you're thinking like i want to get i want to find this deer the farmer found his sheds i want to get on this buck this is the one i'm going for that that was the game plan that was the plan i mean ever since last january when i uh i had some encounters with them i was actually at full draw at one point on that deer i mean it's been bugging me like i've got to get back there and i gotta get after that deer because he was a really good one Okay. Now, did you name the deer at all or, you know, get intimate with him at all? No, you know, that's, I had some bad luck naming deer a couple of years ago down in Missouri. <laughs> Ever since then, I said, I'm just not naming deer anymore. It's just like a bad juju. I don't know. But. I got you. Yep. No, I get it. So you get down there, you deploy cameras, you're scouting. Did you ever get any intel on this buck? Like knowing, okay, he's here. I got him. I finally, I think it was, it must have been opening night of, of their bow season, which we would have been there. The, that was the third day we were there. I finally got a picture of him at like 10 o'clock at night. He uh, he rolled in with another buck that was familiar from January. He was a big, big mature buck. I mean, we're assuming he was probably seven or eight years old, just a, a big tank and kind of a messed up rack. Once score real high, they both come in together. And that's when I, I first knew, you know, there was, there was a good one in there and it was uh, time to get serious about hunting that area. Okay, so at, when you got that picture, was that with the on a cell cam? It was. Okay, so when you get this picture, did you know that this buck was the buck that you had at full draw in January? I was. I, I thought it was. Um, I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit. We found out it actually wasn't that deer, but he was very similar. He had the double split brows, looked nearly identical to that deer. So this whole time, I'm thinking that that's the deer that was showing okay. up. Okay. Yeah. Was it the same relative area that you were? you know, had him, had him in January. It was about, I would guess three miles away, but out there, you know, three miles being so open is really not that far, especially when they, uh, they all yard up kind of in the center of this property during the winter. Okay. So basically, yes, the same general area. I gotcha. Now, was it, was he in an area where you could get, uh, did you have to ground blind it or did, could you get a tree stand in or how was that laying out? I, I originally set up and there was a, there was like three tree rows in here and it was an old um, standing cornfield that was all, I guess, beat down from the snow and the wind from last year. They never, never were able to harvest it. And I set up on the first tree row with a tree stand and I was only able to get seven or eight foot up. And uh, I, I originally went with that set um, and that was good for anything south type wind basically. But then 
as the week went on, we got some north winds coming in, and it, it was just a horrible, horrible spot to set. So I ended up brushing a ground blind in as well, so I was able to hunt both winds for that spot. Okay, so you got this buck on camera. You set a stand. It's good for south winds. You knew north winds were coming. Now, you got him on the opener night, right? Is that what you said the first time? I believe that's the first time he showed up, yeah. Okay. So what are you thinking for the second day? First of all, how long are you going to be there? We were there for 14 days, but we only had like, um, I think, 10 days to hunt, 10 or 11 days to hunt. Okay, so you had a couple travel days, and then you were there two days prior to do some scouting then? Right. Okay. So when you get the picture of this buck, was it like this buck or bust, or was it like, you know, I, I'm going to keep my eye on him. If he starts getting more closer to daylight, then I'll pounce on him. That's kind of what it was. I, I went in and hunted the very next day because I, you know, I knew that he went in and this was a spot I was baiting. Um, I had corn on and I, I figured maybe, you know, he found that, that corn pile and there was actually a couple active scrapes right there as well. I figured, you know, maybe he found that and he's going to, you know, just start hitting the spot real heavy and which he did, but it was all nighttime movement. And, uh, I was actually on a, a couple other, nice bucks over on the other end of the farm. So I was kind of bouncing back and forth between the two for the most part of the week. And, uh, eventually towards the end of the week, I, I did just, you know, throw all my chips in on him and, and decided he was the most consistent, um, showing up anyways, even though they were nighttime movement and, uh, I went all in on him. Okay. So the, on the other side of the farm, you had some bucks that you're chasing. Did you have any close encounters with any of those other bucks? No, no close encounters. Um, it, it was one of those deals, and that's uh, kind of, you know, we were talking about the cell cams before we started uh, recording here, and it was one of those deals where I, I it was really cool to see, but I was kind of kicking myself in the ass because I was sitting uh, sitting on the deer I killed one night, and I had, I think it was like 4 o'clock, they moved real early that night, three miles away in the other, other spot, I had like a 155-inch 10-point and like 140-inch, eight point show up over there at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm sitting over here hunting this deer. It's like, man, what the heck? So then the next night I went over there and hunted those bucks. And then the buck I ended up killing daylighted at that spot that I wasn't at again. So I was like, Oh, this is just, you know, cat and mouse, horrible, man. but yeah, that's crazy. So you didn't really have any close encounters, but you just kept jumping and you felt like you probably felt like you're a step behind every time. Didn't you? I, I really felt like every time I, I, uh, would go somewhere they were working around me. Yeah, they were they were jumping all over, and it was just uh, and that's kind of why I got to the point where eventually I, I just had to make up my mind. And and my my cousin was there hunting with me. And I told him like, hey man, I'm tearing down this other set, and I'm like putting all my chips in on this deer. Like, I'm cool with going home without a deer, but I mean this is the deer I want, and if I'm gonna kill a deer, this is the one I want. So, yeah, I, uh, I tore that other set down and pulled the camera out of there. I didn't want to know what was going on, you know. Yeah. So did you, were you putting all your chips in on this trip or could you come back later in the year if you needed to? I was really dreading the fact of having to go back <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because that drive is so miserable. But, uh, I mean, it, it was an option. I, I had maybe a week, week and a half, I could have pulled out there later in the year and, and maybe towards the rut or something, but I really didn't want to have to do that. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm about ready to make a, a trip to South Dakota next week for a pheasant hunt, and uh, it's a 16-hour trek yep. one way, and I really am dreading it. I do. It's a long drive. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so you tear that other stand down. You tear the camera down. You're like, I'm 
putting all my chips in on this deer or whatever's going to show up that, you know, as a shooter basically. So did you have, first of all, I guess, so this deer was all after dark. Now, were you ever thinking like I should start deploying cameras, like start casting a net, like figuring out where he's coming from and maybe getting, getting him closer to daylight? Yeah, and that's that was the biggest thing. I, I figured, you know, that was one spot I was never able to sit on before season in glass and see where these deer were betting over there. And I never, the entire trip, I never really figured out where these deer were betting. And I thought, you know, maybe we should start running some cameras um, throughout this this whole section. And uh, it was really tough because, like I mentioned, it was that that standing corn from the the previous year, and it was really crunchy and really loud and like we actually started walking in the one day trying to make it back to the second tree row. And it was just so loud going through that corn. I, I, I told my cousin, I said, you know, we got to get out of here. This is, you know, we're just going to push every deer out of this entire section. We, you know, just going to let them come to us. They're showing up on the camera. Like we just need to, to wait it out. And, you know, I think eventually, and there was, there was a lot of cold weather coming in. So I knew, you know, it was probably only going to get better for movement in the daytime. And uh, we just kind of waited it out. You know, it was killing me not knowing exactly where they're, they're laying down and, and, uh, I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to scout it out, but I just knew it probably wasn't worth it. Okay. So you're, you're literally, you're, you're setting anchor. You're just staying here and and just figuring it out and just praying that it's going to happen. Pretty much. And and it's hard to do, you know, if you got the whole season, you know, if I were to live up there, that'd be a lot easier to do. But when you're there, I mean, you know, 10 or 11 days is a pretty good time frame, but it's really not that long when you're, you know, hunting one specific deer and just trying to get him on his feet in daylight. It's, it's not a ton of time really. And, uh, it, it really just come down to, to luck with the weather, I think. Yeah. And you know, your, your head really starts playing games with you too. Like shit, should I, do I need to move? You know, he's, I haven't seen him yet. I need to move in closer. I need to get aggressive. I, I, I gotta go home in a few days. Like I totally get that, that, yep that side of things as well. I mean, just overthinking everything. And really, if you can be patient, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to happen every time, but be, be patient. I mean, good. Th- I always tell myself when I'm in the stand, good things come to those who wait, you know? So it's like, be patient and, you know, more, more times than not, it, it'll work out in your favor, whatever that might be. So, um, so you're, you're, you're sitting out. Did you ever have an encounter with this deer before you killed him? No, no, I, I had never seen this deer, um, on the hoof. I, I did have the one night that I was sitting over on the other end of the farm that he showed up, he daylighted the night before I killed him. Um, he come in probably an hour and a half before dark with a few other small bucks and I'm sitting over three miles away looking at my cell camera as this deer was just <laughs> hanging out and that was just killing me. Like, man, this, and you know, the trip was winding down at this point too, where we only had a few more days to hunt and I'm just kind of like, well, that was probably my only opportunity at killing that deer. And, and there he goes, you know? So this is before you pulled down the other stand and camera and he daylights for the first time underneath your other stand. Yep. And so that was like the final straw. So, I mean, that probably helped out a little bit like, okay, he's finally daylight. Like I need to get over there and spend all my time on then. It, it did too. And that was, uh, I mean, he literally, he was showing up all throughout the night for like, the entire time I was there, I think there were only two nights once after he initially showed up that he did not actually come in at all. I mean, he, he would show up about 10 o'clock every night and he was there nonstop all night long until like six in the morning. And then he'd go back to bed and, you know, I'd, I'd always try to watch like which direction he was leaving. 
the camera to try to you know pinpoint where he was laying and i could never figure it out because every time he left he left in a different direction i didn't know if that was like wind dependent or what but uh you know once uh once he daylighted that's when i i said okay i'm tearing down the other set and going all in on him like you know if he if he showed up in daylight once we've got similar weather conditions coming in like maybe he's gonna do it again okay so what do you think made him daylight that that night I really don't know. I mean, because we had really good weather. I mean, it, it got better as the week went on, but it was like, it was pretty ideal um, uh, weather for deer moving. I mean, like I said, the one that I had deer up at four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, I, I really can't tell you. So it wasn't like a you know a huge drop in temperature or you know a pressure system coming through or precipitation, anything like that. It, it was just more. Was the weather pretty? stagnant like the whole time you were there as far as temperature and and wind like you had basically same thing every day in and out we had some variable winds um coming out of different directions uh i guess we had a little bit of everything for winds but uh the first couple of days were really warm and then it then it dipped down but after after that cold front come through and, and the temperatures dropped it kind of stayed that way throughout the whole the whole time i mean i think one one morning we woke up and it was like 30 30 degrees or 28 or something it was really cold so i mean it was it was great weather um the only thing i i guess is maybe like there was a a huge community scrape right there and i mean there was i don't know i probably had a dozen different bucks coming in and hitting that and and showing their dominance and stuff and i think as the week wore on like you know they, they were in the midst of stripping velvet and kind of their testosterone was raising and these deer were hitting that scrape more and more and more and uh, it just seemed like he started showing up more and like maybe trying to just control the area. Okay. Now, was there a big wind shift like direction wise? Um, not, not really. I mean, it was, uh, I think it switched, it was like a Southwest and then it, uh, cause I, I ended up shooting out of, out of that tree stand. It was Southwest the day before. And then I think it switched to like a Southeast, but it wasn't anything too drastic. Okay. So, I mean, it just one of those things, like you said, nomadic and just, you know, decided to get out of his bed. Who knows? A coyote could have kicked him out of his bed and just got him up a little earlier or another hunter or something like that. And, you know, just got him up a little sooner. And, and there he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, I, I've been kind of puzzled trying to figure the whole thing out. I almost wanted to go back after I shot him to uh, just, you know, to, to scout the area and try to learn about how he was living yeah. in there. And, and I, I never did, but I, I kind of wish I would have done that. Okay, so I guess there's something I didn't clarify before, but were you guys hunting mornings or was it all evenings? It was all evenings, um, early season out there. It's uh, and you know I, I guess early season really anywhere. I don't like to hunt a ton of mornings, especially in, in ag country because sure. um, you know they they can they're out feeding still in the mornings. They can see it coming, and especially out there, I mean they can see it coming from miles away, and it's just it's really tough to to get away with it out there. Okay, so all evenings. So now he daylights. You rip the other stand down that you were in three miles away and the camera. You're like, forget this stand. You're going to go to the other one and ride the hole. So you go in the first evening, you know, the night after he daylights, what happens? Mm-hmm. So we had a, uh, a weather front come in, uh, a rain front come in that day. And it, the temperature stayed the same. The wind was pretty much the same, but we had, uh, had some precipitation come in. It was, uh, at some points in the day, I guess it was it was pouring pretty decent, but it was kind of a just a consistent um, like a, a dew or a mist really, and it, it was getting kind of foggy out. And uh, 
I think it was probably five o'clock. I see my first two deer and the wind, it was coming out of the Southeast that night, which was a little hairy from where these deer were coming from. And, uh, I happened to look up and there was two does. I mean, I was, I was only eight foot up in the tree and I got two does at like 20 yards. They had me pegged and they're just looking at me. And they, they, uh, I, I know they winded me. They seen me and they, they, uh, they knew I was in there and they were standing in that, that, tall corn and they, they had never actually blew at me but they took off running and made a, a huge ruckus going through that that corn and I'm like well that's that's probably not really good you know and um then uh those were the only two deer i seen until an hour before dark i was just kind of sitting there and like you know had my head like facing down kind of like in my lap basically you know just relaxing and uh i happened to look up and i just see a flash of a deer coming through and like I knew it was him. Like I could just see his rack and there was, there was no denying it was him. And so I, I go over to grab my bow and like put my release on and he's at 17 yards and within 30 seconds from first seeing this deer, I had an arrow in him. Holy and crap. Yeah. It happened so fast. I didn't have time to, you know, get excited or, or get the shakes or anything. It just, it was <laughs> like, I seen him, I grabbed my bow, put my eyes back on him and pulled back and put an arrow in him. So, okay. And, to just to back up real quick, are you you're hunting a field edge? Is that correct? That's pretty much what it is. It, it was, so it was a a series of tree rows, and they were spaced. I would guess about 200, 250 yards apart. There was like I don't know, maybe four of them. And uh, I was on the, the southernmost tree row, and to the north, they were all. It was all that standing corn. Okay. In between all the tree rows, and then I was on the edge of like a. Uh, maybe 50 yard wide or probably 60 yard wide um grown up cattle pasture that kind of fed down into a slough bottom and then on the other side of that was all open dirt and open dirt ag field i got you okay so that makes sense i i just i was trying to picture like were you sitting you know 20 30 yards off of field edge in like a timber you know in the timber and watching these deer on the corn field edge or that's what i was trying to yeah, like it was pretty much wide there. open, really. Okay, both both sides. Yep. Gotcha. So this deer shows up. I mean, within thirty seconds, you got you you got an arrow in him. So yeah. I mean, pretty <laughs> pretty anticlimactic, I guess. Right? I mean, shows up. You grab your bow, turn around, release on, shoot him, runs off. Like, so I guess what's your thought process from there? So initially, like you know, your your very first reaction to watching the arrow hit the deer. I was like, okay, that I smoked him, you know, he's done. I, I thought it was a hard shot and he ran off like 10, 15 yards and he just stopped. I'm like, all right. So is he tipping over or what? And he's just standing there and then he starts wagging his tail. I'm like, okay, that's, that's not good. And then he, uh, he started walking over to the right, I guess over towards like uh, the, the slough bottom. And there's that big scrape tree that was over there and he starts walking over that way. And at that point I, I'm thinking, okay, I need to put another arrow in this deer. So I, I'm knocking another arrow and I ranged him. I think he was at 40 yards at that point. And I, I was going to, you know, go to draw on him and, and put another arrow. And it was just a bad angle. And and then he kind of, he, he was walking and he got behind that, that bush. I was never able to get a second shot at him. And he kind of stood behind this, this tree that they, they were scraping around for, I don't know, maybe five minutes. He just stood there. He never moved. Could you and see a, a hole in him? I couldn't really see the hole in him. Um, I could just see like the back half of his body. Okay. Um, I, I actually thought at one point that the, uh, 
when I, when I first shot him, I thought he carried the arrow off with him. We ended up finding out that the arrow passed through and was laying right where I shot him. But, you know, it's, it's hard to see when things happen that fast. You're, you're looking at so many different things, trying to figure it out. And it right. just, uh, I couldn't really tell, but so I got behind that tree and, uh, he stood there and a, a doe come in and like walked right to him. And then he like freaked out and he like took a couple jumps over and she come running back at me. And that's when he, he bedded down. And, uh, I could just barely see him through this tree. Like it was, it was obviously full of leaves and stuff. And I'm looking through my, with my binoculars and he's still only at like 40 yards. And I'm just trying to see what he's doing. And, and he finally bedded up there and, uh, I can just see his rack, like turning back and forth. He's looking around. I'm freaking out, you know, coming unglued, like, Oh man, I just, I just wounded the biggest buck I've ever shot in my life. And, uh, maybe 20 minutes went by and he put his head down. And uh, he, he had his head down for probably five minutes. You know, I'm texting all my buddies. And, and actually, at one point, I, I called one of my buddies just, you know, like, dude, what do I do? You know, I got this 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 giant standing out here or laying out here. And I don't know if he's dead or not. Do I try to get out of the stand and put another arrow in him? And uh, I, had, I had a good cover win, so it was kind of an option. But I just didn't didn't want to bump him, you know? Right. And uh, I watched him for the next hour right up till dark almost. And... So, so his head was down and then, uh, he had his head down for about 20 minutes or so. And he, he ended up picking his head back up and he's looking around again. And I'm just, you know, it was just a, a miserable hour there just watching this deer. And then, uh, I kind of come to the conclusion that I just need to, you know, sneak out of here before dark as quiet as I can and get back to the truck, get to the house. And, you know, probably let this deer sit either till midnight or till morning. And, uh, when I left, I, I believe he was probably expired at that point because his head was down and he hadn't moved in, in a little while, but I just, I wasn't sure of it. And, uh, we made the call just to wait till morning on it. Yep. Now, were you thinking in the tree the whole time? Are you thinking gut or liver shot or, you know, back, you thought you smoked him, but are you thinking now, like maybe a little far back? That's what I was thinking. I, I knew like, I, it looked like a really good shot, I guess, I, if it turns out he was quartering a little um, towards me that I didn't realize. And, uh, but it, it ended up going through the liver and I, I kind of started telling myself like, that's a liver shot the way he's acting. And, and, you know, it wasn't that far back to be up in the gut. So um, I, I kind of convinced myself it was gonna be a liver shot. Okay. I got you. So you back out, you wait till morning. What's, what's the plan then? Well, I, you know, we got back to the house that night and kind of just talked it over and over and over. And, uh, at one point we were really close to going in there at midnight and, you know, I've, I've bumped deer out of their beds before tracking them and I've had buddies lose deer that way and stuff. And it's, I just knew it wasn't worth it. You know, I figured if he's dead now, he's gonna be dead in the morning. You know, I'm just hoping the coyotes don't get to him. And, and, uh, I didn't sleep at all that night. I was up, you know, the cell camera, he was bedded up 20 yards from my cell camera it wasn't facing his direction, but I just figured, you know, maybe I'd see some coyotes come in there or something. And, uh, it, it was weird because that entire night there was like, I think only one deer come in that entire night. And normally, I mean, I would have 10 plus different deer coming in there every night, all night long. And just like no deer coming that night. So it just made me think like, okay, maybe, maybe he's dead there. And for yep. you know, some reason, no deer want to come in. Right. So, uh, our plan was to go in there first thing in the morning. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't sleep at all. I was up, um, super early and, uh, we were, we were basically parked out, um, at, at the spot I would park there at first light and just kind of, you know, let the sun come up a little bit. And I guess there wasn't much of a sun because it was super foggy and it was still kind of misty that morning, the next morning. 
and we just kind of crept our way in there and I, I i knew right where he was laying the night before and i knocked an arrow and i started creeping up real slow real slow and uh got to the point where i i could see um a part of him and you know i'm, I'm ready to basically draw on this deer if i gotta put another arrow on him and uh i, I crept kind of around this tall patch of grass and, and he was still uh still bedded up and and you could tell he was expired so that yep. was uh that was it that's crazy man so yeah, he, he never he left did, that bed he didn't move after that so you think he probably probably expired before you left the stand probably yeah i'm pretty sure he was done by the time i i actually walked out of there the night before but uh it just wasn't worth the risk you know yep coyotes or anything get to him no no i was pretty lucky of that yeah there, there's a lot of coyotes in the area and uh i was glad to see that nothing got to him that's crazy man well that's that's sweet. Now explain him a little bit. How big was he? He's a, he's a good one. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely my best. Um, he's, uh, he's got 14 scoreable points, um, double split brows. He's got a big split G2 on his left side. Um, he's got five inch bases, 22 inch beams. Jeez. He's 17 and a half wide. He's got nearly 11 inch G2s. I mean, he's, he's, he's got it all, man. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> he's, he's an awesome buck. And, uh, I, I rough scored him just over 164. Wow. So, yeah. Congrats, buddy. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I that's appreciate so cool. It. Now, I mean, that's just, that's just crazy that, I mean, you kill your best buck. I mean, you kicked off 2020 season really good, even though we've had a shitty year. So that's, I mean, that makes me feel better that we're going to have somewhat of a good season this year, hopefully. Yeah, I think we're going to come out swinging in the second half here. Yeah, definitely. Now, I mean, you can cruise the fall now. Like, the the weight's lifted, the the monkey's off your back. Let's just have fun now. Dude, it really is, too. And that that was kind of the biggest thing for me going on this trip. And, uh, you know, we've been so busy with Rex, just uh, working around the clock on everything. And I really didn't know how much time I was going to have to hunt this year. Like I said, I you know, I could have squeezed another trip out there if I had to. And, well, my dad drew an Iowa tag this year, his first ever. And uh, we've got some really nice showing up really nice deer showing up out there and i was really hoping to be able to you know tag out north dakota and be able to spend the rut with him in iowa and and sit behind a camera and and, you know hopefully film him kill a deer so for me to get this one tagged and uh to be able to go spend november with my dad now is really cool yeah that'll be really cool i'm jealous you're going to iowa i want to go back (laughs) yeah we're uh we're gonna have to call you mr iowa (laughs) no no i i i I haven't done enough to to get that nickname yet so (laughs) i don't know you kind of got the title right now Oh, it was a good one. I, I will, I will say that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, cool, man. That's that's freaking sweet. I mean, what a giant. What a what a story. Really cool, Buck. I mean, there's something I want to get into before we do do wrap this up, and it's something about cell cams. Now, there's a lot of people out there. You know, the Pope and Young Club and everything. They said, you know, about entering their you know, into the record books and everything. If it's, if this deer, you know, is on cell cam, then it, they won't enter it and whatnot. I, I guess I want to get your opinion on, uh, the cell cams. I mean, you, this deer showed up when you were in a different stand three miles away and that, that Intel gave you, you know, the last piece where you're like, okay, I need to get in there now. I, I guess what's your take on cell cams? Man, I, I, I love them. This is my first year ever running them. And, uh, especially out there, you know, we're, we're hiking back in so far, even though it's, you know, just all flat land and, and ag it's, it's, you know, we're walking a mile back into these sets and, 
normally um, we check these our cameras every morning just to see you know what what's gonna be the hot spot to sit that night and uh, you know with having the cell cameras in there it's so less intrusive it's so much uh, less physically demanding you know you're not hiking back into these spots every day and um, I, I think my my biggest thing I like about them is just that they're uh, you don't have to go you know put scent on the ground you don't have to go you know risk bumping deer out of there you just you know what's going on all the time and it's uh it's, it's gonna be a game changer i think for uh for scouting and, and you know especially with trips like this you know scouting on the fly yeah definitely and i'm in the same boat like i i agree with you i i've got two cell cams i started running my first cell cam last year and honestly my biggest thing with the cell cams was here in michigan you know, my one-acre farm, I, I've there's two sections of woods on the one-acre farm. There's a, there's a one-acre section and then across the road, which is the same farm, um, there's a four-acre section. So two really small timber plots. And my thing was I want to put a cell cam in each timber. on And, and usually I put it on the most active scrape that I can find in there um, and just monitor. And my biggest thing is... Uh, monitor, what I'm monitoring is, yes, obviously I want to know if what's in there and, you know, when the time to strike is, and I don't want to mm-hmm. have to go in there because, you know, when you get in those little woodlots like that, there's no room for air. It's like you get 30 yards from, cause I'm coming in from ag fields, you know, wide open ag fields on, on both pieces of timber. So it's like these deer see you coming from a mile away. Um, yep. my biggest thing is like, I like to know going like the one acre, especially, uh, I wake up and I got cell cam pictures. I like knowing like when I'm walking in, I know within 40 seconds if there's a deer there or not. So I kind of use it as like, am I going to bump deer out now? If, if a deer, if I'm walking in and a, and a deer starts pinging where there's something in there, I might hold up a little bit, even if it's a doe, little doe, whatever. I don't want to bump deer, you know, if, if I can help it, um, that's kind of the way I am, and and honestly, I like them. I really do. I, there probably is a point where it's like too far, where you know I could see with maybe a gun hunter or something. It's like, well, shit, he's on the other side of the field right now. I got to go over there and and get a two hundred yard shot off or whatever. Like, okay, that mm-hmm. might be a little, you know, not ethical, but. And, and that's what I was just gonna say too. I think you know that, that's probably a lot of the reason why you know, the Boone and Crockett um, club or whatever is put out that, you know, they're not going to yeah. acknowledge uh, trophies that, that, you know, cell cameras were used to take. And I think a lot of that's probably maybe geared towards, you know, gun hunting because, uh, you know, like I had those deer showing up while I was in a different stand, you know, had it been rifle season, I could have easily hopped in the truck, drove over there, put on a short stalk sure. and, you know, and, and put a, a bullet in one of those deer. And uh, I mean, there's definitely some advantages to be had with the, with the cell cameras and, um, I guess each person's probably going to have their own take on it if it's fair or not. But, uh, and the way I look at it too is like, um, it, we're playing an away game every time we set foot in the outdoors with these whitetails or any animal. You know, they live there 24 7. This is their home. They know the ins and outs. They bet in certain areas knowing that they're safe and they can get out of there. We don't know that. You know what I mean? As much as we think that we know about deer and everything, any, I think any way we can tip the scale in our direction, in ethical reasons, you know what I mean? Like not shining deer and going out and killing deer. That's right. not ethical. But like any way that you can, uh, 
you know, get a piece of the puzzle or, you know, tip the scale a little bit in your favor. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I've ever had like 100%. I know I'm going to kill this deer tonight. You know what I mean? Like ever, like, it's, yeah, it's never a guarantee. Never and, you a know, guarantee. We're, we're always on their home turf, you know, whether, you know, yes. no, no matter what advantage, whatever legal advantage you put in your favor, yes. you're always yep. on their turf. You know, a, a great example is this, this summer here in Michigan on one of the, one of my farms, I've got a buck. He's, I got a couple buck, good bucks, but, um, this big nine pointer, he's, he's a good buck, filmed him all year in the hayfield and velvet and everything. Velvet came off getting daylight pictures of him on two different areas of the farm surrounding bedding you know he he that that shift happened and he was like showing up in daylight so i'm like okay perfect this is this is going to be sweet mm-hmm. um i think i could get a little pattern on him maybe and then that was two weeks ago the 14th was the last daylight picture got of him check the cameras today nowhere on the farm like nothing <laughs> he's not there anymore no daylight pictures no dark pictures come to find out the neighbors have a picture of them and it's dark you know it's after dark so it's like literally i mean just when you think you have a pattern you really don't like in, yeah. in, in where i'm at in my scenario right now it's so hard to pattern deer here in michigan in 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 my scenario where i'm at um unless you got a big track where you can kind of do that. But still, even like in all the years that I've been filming with Chris and Casey, like, honestly, I can maybe remember, let me think, like maybe one deer that we knew he was going to do a certain thing just about every night, but it was never like, oh, yep, for sure. Seven o'clock tonight, he's going to show up on this food plot. Never Mm -hmm. once have we had that, you know, they're, they're just so unpredictable. I mean, yeah, there's are. so many variables that go into it, you know, just, just even with the weather or, yep. you know, uh, human pressure, predator pressure, or, or you just, there, there's so many things out there. I don't think, uh, I don't think a cell phone camera is really going to put it at an unfair advantage. I mean, it definitely uh, is going to, going to help for sure. I mean, there's, there's, yep. there, there's ways it's going to help out, but I, I don't think uh, by any means is that, uh, you know, making it a guarantee you're going to go in and, and kill these deer. Yeah. Well, and, and it's something you did. You got that picture of him, which was, you know, awesome intel you got. But that gave you like, okay, now it's time to strike. I got to go. Let's go. Let's get in there and get it done. That's something that in the past, me, I would have been probably a little more passive on. Like, okay, I've got a little bit of time maybe. Like, I'm going to sit back. Nope. This year, if I get any sort of intel or see a buck or kick a buck out of his bed or you know, anything like that, I get any sort of intel, I'm going, I'm pouncing right now. I'm getting aggressive. That's one thing I'm definitely going to change this year. I'm going really mobile this year, uh, you know, running gunning a lot and, mm-hmm. and just, and just getting aggressive and starting to learn more. I want to learn more and I want to learn more at a expedited pace, I guess you could say. Like I want to get in there and just fail and learn. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, especially here in Michigan too, you know, like you mentioned on, on some large tracks and stuff, you kind of, uh, you can play it a little safer and kind of, you know, play the season out and wait for them. But, uh, I mean, I've hunted a lot of different States now and I, I we've got to have some of the most pressured whitetails in the country here in Michigan. And, and, uh, I think, you know, when, when they're in your piece or on your property, you just gotta, you gotta get in there and, and roll the dice while can't, you can, you know? Yep. Definitely. Well, cool, man. I want to I wrap this baby up, and uh, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this. And 
do a little plug here for REC. If anybody wants to know any more information about REC, where can they buy them? Where can they find that information out? Um, this is the time. Hit it. Hit them with it. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on here, man. Uh, always uh, like getting on and talking with you. But uh, um, you can find REC Broadheads and uh, Instagram and Facebook at REC underscore Broadheads. And that is R-E-K. Or uh, we're, we're available for sale, factory direct only at the moment at www.recbroadheads.com. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much. Um, hopefully... Hopefully, REC keeps climbing the way uh, the way I see it climbing, and people are buying it and being successful. I hope, like hell, I have a picture to send to you this weekend of uh, a doe, a buck, something, a coyote. I don't care. I just can't wait to put this broadhead to use. So I'll be waiting for it, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Well, you have a good evening, and good luck this fall. You too. Best of luck. All right. There you have it. Awesome interview with Matt Taggett. Thanks again to Matt coming on to talk about uh, talk about that story with his deer. I mean, just a giant, you know, in the mid 160s. What a stud, definitely for especially for you know early September. I mean, great buck, a great buck anywhere, really. Let's let's be honest. He's just an awesome deer. So, thank you guys for all the support. Remember, go to iTunes, leave a five star rating, leave a review, be ethical out there this fall, and uh, shoot straight. So. We'll be right back here next week on the Fall Podcast. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky